Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 39 of Shades of Brown. And this week, we're going to start off uh, with some drama. Because there's, uh, there's, there's, no, there's no news this week. Like, let's, let's just, this is going to be a, a news light show. Normally, you know, we go through and we, we pick out, like, some stories that we think are interesting, right? And we, we talk about them. That's, that's been our thing forever and ever. But this week, it's just all, like, uh, the American political system burning down and security stuff, which, I mean, none of, neither of us wants to talk about politics, especially since we, we try to make this a bit more accessible to the world, right? As Sadik's not in the U.S., so if I start talking about, like, Facebook and the Russian ad stuff, like, none of it matters to him, right? <laughs> well, not really, no. But I mean, it, it kind of, but it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't. right? Yeah, it's not really that relevant, uh, and it's also, like, not everybody wants to... This is not, this is not the really correct podcast for this thing. Uh, we don't usually discuss politics uh, more directly, anyway. But so we're going to get messy this week. We're going to get messy with some, <laughs> really some inconsequential drama, uh, just for fun. Uh, Christian, you want to like introduce this 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 mess? Um, this is iPhone 10 week. If you pre-ordered, I'm sorry you stood up until three in the morning, but congrats on the new phone. Um, and usual, Apple seeds. So how, how it used to work, right, when Steve Jobs was around was that he had his own favorite publications and he would send the uh, reviewers that he picked, like handpicked um, review units, right? Yeah. Ever since he passed, Apple has been slowly widening up and letting uh, other folks get into it. And this time, Apple PR decided a different tactic. Instead of sending established uh, press people um, review units, they decided to go for smaller YouTubers and lesser known blogs. And so, like, The Verge still got a review unit. The Wall Street Journal, they still got one, right? But Apple also gave a early embargo. So... The Verge had an embargo which expired today, but yesterday, which um, we're recording on Halloween, so the 30th of October, a couple YouTubers and other uh, lesser-known blogs were able to publish their hands-on early. Yeah. And so people were getting upset in the media, a couple folks. It's not like, I don't think they're genuinely upset, but there's a lot of saltiness going around because these videos are... so. There's a uh, fashion blog that got one, um, a YouTuber, Sarah Dietschy, uh MKBHD, of course, um, a couple of other YouTubers got them, all of which I don't even think most of them are verified on Twitter, right? Like they have a couple, maybe a couple of million followers, less than a million uh, subscribers, rather. It, it's like it's a wide variety of audiences. And they all come from some are like streetwear brands, or not streetwear brands, but people who do videos about streetwear, like fashion, uh, a fashion blog. Sarah does um, lifestyle vlogging, right? I Justine, of course, is a bigger YouTuber. MKBHD does actual tech videos, and people are getting upset because this isn't because they feel like people are going to get cheated out in the reviews. I don't understand why, right? I think it's what, what do you what do you think about this? Uh, okay, so this 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 is a there's a multiple, like, there are a few problems, not really problems, more like misconceptions. I think the misconception here is that the iPhone is strictly a technology product, which it isn't. isn't. Uh, it is also a fashion product. It is also, uh, as you mentioned, streetwear. Like, it, it's applicable to all those things. Like, it's not like Apple is, Apple PR is just sending these out to random uh, YouTubers. These are people who who might have an opinion on the device and, and, and probably a reasonable opinion uh, that, that probably should be shared. Um, 
and I, and I don't think there's anything to be like worried about. Like uh, a tech a t- person who's interested in tech is not going to be checking out these channels anyways. It doesn't matter. Uh, but as someone who might be interested in iPhone and is also into fashion, you know, they might be watching these YouTube channels, thinking about what well, what does this uh, blogger or YouTuber think about uh, the new iPhone? Like, is it a cool uh, fashion accessory? Is does it accessorize properly? You know, like th- like stuff like that. Like this is this is still relevant. Uh, it's not strictly a, a tech product, and being salty about it is just. It's just like your e- it's just your ego. Like I, I feel like a lot of this sort of weird lashing out or like questioning is is just just like a ego thing. Like it's like, oh look, this is our space. Why are you uh why are you talking about our, the stuff that we enjoy uh talking about, right? Like this is not the stuff you should be talking about. Uh it's some just a weird territorial uh business going on. It's like uh like tech media is a boys' club, right? And they don't want anyone else getting into it. I and I think I think as well that there's like this sense of purity in tech media, right? Where it's like, if you're not an enthusiast, if you don't know this top to bottom, you can't talk about it. But what that leads to, right? So um, Federico Vitici, uh, editor-in-chief of Mac Stories, good blog. You should read it. Uh, listen to his podcast as well. I like all, a lot of his stuff. He, he posted about how, or tweeted about how it was a strange approach to the embargo. And uh, a response to that tweet, which I really liked, is someone by the name of Rich... Tenenbaum, I hope I pronounced that. It's at Rich Ten, uh, 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 Rich underscore Tenenbaum. I apologize in advance if I got that wrong. Uh, he said, or this person actually, there's no gender in that profile. I don't want to assume it's a man. Uh, this person said, "This is so much better listening to yours and many other tech pros." With tech pros being in quotations, you just don't get how 95% of people use their phones, which is true, right? Like, how many people who say, for example, read like the verge review actually care about the fact that say you can't use third-party apps right like because how many people actually switch their default apps on a windows computer maybe people use chrome right i feel like web browsers are the one difference yeah web browsers probably... are, our browsers have this weird sort of uh i think the only place that's where people change the defaults but even then a lot of people do use edge or before that uh uh, Internet Explorer because you know it's it's easily available and it it works just fine uh, for most people. Uh, so defaults are a uh, like you know powerful thing and like most people probably do use defaults. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I think. Yeah, it's just like I, you listen to a, a podcast on Relay, right, or Five by Five, or any of these other podcast networks. Or you read like TechCrunch or The Verge. And a lot of what they do are geared towards like power users or people who describe themselves as power users, right? Like, I'm not saying that's a that's a wrong way to use your phones. Like, absolutely try and get as much out of it as you can. But that's not how people use them, right? Like, I see it all the time. People, like we talked about it last week when we were talking about notifications. You have an email account with 10,000 unread emails, right? Like, people mainly use the default apps. They use maybe Gmail, probably. Or if their work requires them to use a specific email or app, they'll have that installed, right, for their job. But... People aren't using their phones like that. And a review, a review that goes into the quality of the pen tile display, right? Like it's a, it has an, the iPhone 10 has an OLED pen tile display. That doesn't matter. That doesn't As, matter that, to those 90% words, of people. Yes, those words matter to me and Static care about that because we're display snobs. And I think that's interesting, right? But I recognize that to everyone else, that shit doesn't matter. All that matters is that the screen looks good, right? So it's, 
I appreciate this perspective. I enjoyed these videos, even though, yes, they were lower production quality. But what, what, do you, what do you expect out of someone who does not have the budget of a venture-funded tech startup or media startup, right? Like, you can't, you can't hate on YouTubers for having what you call a lower quality video. That's not what's important. They're, what they're discussing about is. And, and even then, too, right? Let's look at MKBHD, I Just Seed, and Sarah's videos on them, right? Like, those... Those are better video production than anything that comes out of yeah. MKBHD's uh, quality is top notch. Uh, he has all it's, his uh, crispy AF, very good. Yeah, uh, and it's it's not fair. Like it's it's not fair to like criticize them for their video quality when the the real thing that you should be criticizing if there is anything to criticize is their opinions on it. Like the opinions are the critic don't criticize the video production because they may not have the skills or nor the budget nor the time even uh, to edit a more uh, quote unquote professional looking uh, video at it. Uh, that's that's not really their focus. Their focus is on the uh, you know the opinion that they're they're doing in the video. So yeah, yeah and people were like, uh, I remember I was, I was reading one of the comments one of the videos. I never read comments. Yeah, I never. Know I made don't, the mistake. Don't read. But someone was like, "Where's the Geekbench for? Where's the specs for blah blah yeah, blah?" Right? And it's like none of that matters. Right, you, know, it, you know what? Let let me be real for a moment here. I've I've never given a shit about benchmarks. Uh, or anything really like it's not i i don't read anon tech like i know i respect anon tech a lot but i don't read anon tech i don't uh, like most spec stuff doesn't really interest me anymore like i don't i don't live by specs or die by specs uh gigbench scores are basically meaningless uh to most people like it's the iphone is fast like how fast is it on on a gigbench score is is not relevant uh to most people, most people are not going to be comparing Geekbench scores to other phones. That's that's not a thing that. Uh, also, yeah. But on that note, the iPhone is probably leaving every every fucking Android phone in the dust because Qualcomm. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I just have to, like that's that's a reality. No, of no, it. that's, uh, I appreciate I appreciate that hot static take. It's been a while it, since we've had no, one. but they, really, uh, <laughs> nobody else is even in this in the same sort of space uh, when it comes to Apple's processing. Uh, but more importantly though right it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't like you know what matters with these phones this the battery doesn't shit out on you the camera takes good pictures there's fun and emoji is the most fucking important feature of the iphone 10 like that literally i am being 100 percent serious here right like out of everything because that changes how you use the device in, in an actual way right like 3d touch useful does not actually change the device and emoji you can they are just .mov files, right, that it exports. It's not specifically locked to iMessage. You can send that to anyone. You can send it on Facebook Messenger. You can put them on Twitter. You can put them on YouTube. And that that is a great use of the technology because it appeals to almost everyone. There's limited poss- there's a limitless possibilities you can of what you can make with it. And it's just new and interesting and neat, right? And that, and I want, I want, like, I, I am I don't care about tech reviews anymore that tell me how fast it runs a game. Like it's gonna like yes, the water looks fucking amazing, but who cares? I wanna know I wanna know how this matches with like a new pair of Yeezys and some and some like good jeans, right? I wanna know like how this camera works if you're underwater or like if you're vlogging with it, right? Like record the actual vlog with the iPhone ten and then like like just just do the audio from it too, and let's see how that sounds, right? Like that's important to me. How the portrait mode stuff works, right? Or how long the battery lasts? The battery how long can yeah. use this phone. Yeah, the, the one thing that people care a lot about is the battery, and that that's uh, that that's one thing that's probably the most important to most people for smartphones. But yeah, like a lot of things that tech nerds care about are not 
really relevant to most people because it's just like they don't think about it uh, when they're buying the phone uh, or when thinking about getting a new phone. So, like, I think this is the problem. I think what happens is when you, like, sort of live inside a bubble, like, it becomes, like, this weird, uh, like, weird, like, in-group thing where you you, you think that all the, all the stuff that matters matters to everybody else uh, as well, like, uh, outside the group. So, but it, that's not actually, you know, you know the, truth, the truth here. So, um, it's not a new phenomenon. I think this happens to a lot of other fields, uh, other other stuff. Uh, so that's it's, it's like how when I when I talk about like high quality music, like uh, you know, getting flags and ripping CDs into flags, like nobody cares. Everybody listens to mu- uh, AAC files from iTunes. Nobody gives a fuck. Everybody everybody drips MP3s from YouTube. It's 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 not it's not really a majority. It's mostly a niche. Uh, in the same vein, I think. Uh, this stuff is yeah it's like what i talk about fonts and this stuff right like i i genuinely don't think anyone really cares about font rendering outside of things not looking fuzzy because that's when you notice it right you notice it when it's bad you don't notice that it's good which is how it's supposed to work right let's say they have like audio quality like you can you notice high quality flax maybe but if you do a good enough job mixing uh the no, yeah like, MP3, honestly, right? like I, that's fine i can't I, I wouldn't be able to tell you a difference between like a v0 mp3 and a flag of the same track if they the tra- like because like at a v0 or like a ase file from itunes like like you can't you you probably can't tell even especially with the blind uh blind test uh it's just really hard for anybody to tell even with the proper equipment it's, uh, it's- this is like why whenever um so i was i was at like a shopping of my dad yesterday or two days ago and we ended up walking by some tvs they had on sale at this one store right and they have a bunch of 4k ones and he's like asking me, like, why why does this 4K thing matter? And I'm like, it actually doesn't, right? Like, what matters is if it's HDR and if the colors look better, because that's what you'll notice. Like, sure, you might notice an increase in resolution, right? But what, like, the, the thing, see, companies love to use, like, these buzzwords to try and market devices. And they try to get people, like, interested in the specs, right? Like, Samsung does that with their Galaxy Note series, right? They give you, like, a a kitchen sink of a bunch of buzzwords. But what really matters is how it looks and how it acts in in ways that are like physically noticeable, right? Like you give me a screen with better colors, people are going to notice that. And I guess I should sidebar, better colors isn't an objective statement here because as I think what Samsung does with their screens is a little gross, yeah. but I recognize that that vibrant colors- It's a lot of people like it, yeah. It's, it, because it's, uh, I don't. I haven't- nerds yeah, are out of like, uh, or out of- Out of touch. Out of yeah. touch is the good, uh, but- with the, the Samsung thing is actually a good example. Uh, I haven't used a Samsung phone in years, so I can't tell you how the screens look uh, these days. Uh, the, the, the Super AMOLED, like it's not bad. Like uh, like they look all right. Like uh, I can see how people, my people might not like the weird uh, thing that they do with their Super AMOLED display calibrations, but a lot of people they sell a lot of phones, and it, it seems to work for them. So I think uh, it's not really. Like, yeah, this like color calibration is one of those things. Like, not everybody's gonna agree, you know. Like, uh, but we're gonna we're, we're digressing, digressing into the Pixel Two to- XL topic again, and that's not uh, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> again, uh, you can you can hear plenty about that on other podcasts. Uh, but I think we're gonna move on to yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go from one messy topic to, to something a little less messy. Loot boxes. Oh, messy. <laughs> uh, uh, more about like expensive. Uh, habits uh, loot boxes microtransactions and video games 
uh, is what we can talk about. Our show notes are going to have a couple links to two gym position videos. Uh, I think you should watch them. Uh, in general, you should watch Jim Sterling. He does good videos. Uh, but we're going to be talking about like, like how loot boxes have become prevalent in video games and how like microtransactions in general uh, have in video games have become prevalent. So Christian, what do you think? Like, what are some games that you, you think? Uh, well, I, I want to start off by like talking about the Nintendo uh, earnings, right? Because so Nintendo released their quarterly earnings. Um, normally we don't talk about earnings because that's like the most boring shit in the world, right? Like you're making more money. Woo. But <laughs> um, they said 200 million downloads. And I think, I don't remember the exact number, but a significant of those were paid purchases for Super Mario Run. We did not make them enough versus like their free-to-play games like Fire Emblem Heroes, right? Like Fire Emblem Heroes is free-to-play, has microtransactions, it is doing significantly better in terms of revenue than Super Mario Run did. And Super Mario Run had a trial, right? Like there's a demo, you can play a couple levels, but then after that, you buy the rest of the game. Which is interesting because so Jim Sterling has pointed out how microtransactions or micro Micro, yeah, microtransactions are a uh, a bit of a cancer on the industry right now, which is something I agree with. Like, I agree with that statement, but it's it's just like on one aspect, people aren't going to buy games on their phones, and then when you get to consoles, it's like people might buy those games, but people are also willing to pay for microtransactions, right? Mm. So, uh, but the thing is here, uh, yeah, you say people are willing to pay for them, but at the end of the I think one of the videos uh, is is about how these there are there's these specific ways of psychologically manipulating people into making these microtransactions more appealing and like like there are the psychological tricks that are employed that are that are very devious and uh, if you, if you actually read about these and or like watch about watch videos about these you'll be like holy shit this is ridiculous how did I like people fall for this like it's like this like uh, like Overwatch, uh, let me use Overwatch as an example, because like Overwatch has uh, events like the these seasonal events, like the Halloween event that's uh, that's on right now, and there are certain skins that are, you can only get during this time. Like there are these skins, Halloween skins that you can only get uh, from loot boxes that you get these stuff. Like so, that's like a time limited microtransaction on like a loot box. That's even worse. That's like the cycle that this is. That's that's artificially creating this sort of weird uh, scarcity uh, and psychological pressure. Like you, you want you want those skins, but you don't have enough time to grind, or uh, like you don't want to grind. So you want you you want you're more more pressured into buying uh, loot boxes. So at the at one end, yeah, you're willingly buying it, but you're also being coerced into uh, buying them or psychologically manipulated into buying them, which is. Which is a disturbing, uh, disturbing trend, and it also, uh, as pointed out as with Jim Sterling, is that it it preys on uh, people who have uh, addictive uh, personalities and are more prone to get you know gambling addictions and or addictions of another kind, uh, which is also a you know like a big sort of uh, ethical problem that we have right now. Christian, what do you think about this whole mess? Uh... I bought Destiny Silver the other um, day. Yeah, I think that's what you're trying to okay, get okay, me to okay, say. Okay, you're okay, just trying okay, to shame okay, me for no, buying no, no, Destiny before, Silver. Before, <laughs> before we like, like let before we like judge you for that. Let, let's walk walk through your thought process for that. Why did you buy it? 
Well, well, doctor, I, <laughs> I, I had reached the plateau in the game where leveling starts slowing down, right? And you, you have to go into endgame activities. So what that turns into, that turns into raid and destiny, and fashion destiny, right? Like when you do, I, when Iron Banner comes around, you play that for endgame gear. Uh, since um, the three-player three arena mode isn't in the game right now, uh, the only way to get endgame gear and some of the best-looking shaders and gear sets is by raiding. And as someone who doesn't have six friends who play Destiny on Xbox, um, I really should buy a PC. They, they, uh, it's it's hard to get a group consistently for raiding, right? So I was like, I'm playing strikes and stuff, doing some crucible, trying to get some shaders and some gear, and then I was at a bright engram, a bright engram. So in Destiny, um, bright engrams are basically loot boxes that you can buy. You also earn them by um, getting one level's worth of experience in game once you reach the level cap. So you can keep continuously leveling and they'll just give you bright engram box or loot boxes, right? Every time you level up instead of a new level because there's no more levels to go to. So I did that. And then I got one piece of gear from it and I was like, this gear looks dope. Now, mind you, Destiny isn't pay to win. Um, This gear drops at 10 power and 300 power is the top power level you can get at right now. It's 320 actually with the uh, hard mode of the raid released. So like there's... You could, I guess, in theory, maybe buy some good rolls, but that's a lot of money because they're randomized rolls each time you get a piece of gear from a bright engram, right? So, uh, it's not really pay to win because it, like, what you spend like three hundred dollars in in worth of Destiny silver, you could still have a shit character, right? Like, there's no guarantee that you're going to be, get this baller roll for all your items. So. Did that, and then um, I was at the Everest thing, I decrypted it, and I got one piece of gear, and I was like, this is really dope looking. And they had a special, you get like five bright engrams and a bunch of like shaders and stuff, if you just spend like $10 worth of silver on something. So I was like, oh, it's only $10, why not? And so I got like five engrams, uh, and then, you know, did, did the little fun animation to open them all, and I got no pieces of gear. Yep, okay, so, <laughs> so the process here is that you... Uh, they hook you, right? This is like the hook, line, and sinker. Like, they hook you with giving you a few... Like, the, the thing is, like, they like they have this uh, alternate, like, box thing. And you still get it by normally playing the game, but not at a rate that is comfortable enough uh, where you get all the gear that you want, right? The rate at which you earn bright engrams in Destiny 2 is extremely slow. So, like... If you want the gear fast, you're gonna have to pay. Like there's no no way of getting around that. Uh, otherwise, you're just gonna keep grinding uh, and farming until you get experience, and that's that's no that's not a fun way to play. So, essentially, what it's what it's doing is it's making the game unfun, right? Like it's making the grind, like it's what it's doing is sacrificing the grind to sell loot boxes. Uh, which is which? What Jim Starley points out is devaluing gameplay, right? It's devaluing the gameplay. So because if you don't want to do the gameplay, that's not really valuable, right? It's not important uh, if it's just grinding uh, to get more experience, right? So, but like I understand why people buy loot boxes, and I have like I'm not not uh, I'm not to not be a hypocrite. I'm gonna also mention uh, that I did buy loot boxes in Overwatch. Uh, it's, it's been a while though. It was like you know when the game first came out, uh, I bought like I bought like okay. I went all out and bought like fifty loot boxes. So, I mean, like that's like, Ooh. yeah, that's like, I, I I think I still have you beat. Um, should we bring up that one time? So it's uh, since we're shaming each other, I guess now in in this thread or in this, uh, so Destiny has a uh, 
had a level boost in Destiny 1. That's the word I'm looking for. Sorry. It had a level boost. So you spend $30 or $40. It was $30 or $40. And it would bring your character up to the uh, current expansion level and all that, right? And I wanted to start a new character. And it had been like the third time. that It would be like my third character. And I'm like, I really don't want to play through this whole entire story again. So I was like, uh-huh, why not? I had the money on me at the time. You know, and I spent $30 on a uh, level up. Yeah, like, uh, like that's not like an unfair thing. Like level, uh, buying level boosts is is an established sort of, um, like in, in World of Warcraft, I think also has that. I don't know if uh, World of Warcraft has them, but. Yeah, World of Warcraft has it. World of Warcraft's like $60 to get you level 100. It's even worse. Oh, damn. That's, yeah. Like I bought like the loot box, 40 loot, uh, 50 loot boxes is like $40. Uh so that's like the cost of Overwatch. Like I, I literally have bought the cost of Overwatch in loot boxes. Uh, so that's how like, uh, yeah, they can get you. Like the it's, everything about them are designed. Like it's designed. Like the way they open, the animation, uh, the loot box animation in every game. Uh, if you notice, like it, it has this really satisfying animation and sound uh, effects, and those are all all intentional. Those are all like tuned to like you know get you like that dopamine hit you know like the dopamine hit every time you open the loot box uh well th- that's what that is uh that's the sound and the animation and you know it is gambling like the it is not technically gambling because like as a, but legally in most places it's not gambling because you still get something in return and it's it's not you can't exchange it for real currency uh like a real fiat currency so it's it's technically not gambling but it really it is it is gambling uh in a different form and it's 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 uh it's abusing uh psychological tendencies uh for addictive personalities and stuff like that and and one of these days i think a government is just gonna get really annoyed or they're gonna do something really egregious and uh get get themselves regulated uh and people were like oh the esrb should mark these as gambling esrb is not gonna do shit okay the esrb is is essentially like a representative for all the video game companies why are they gonna do anything about this they, they're, they're they're gonna say oh, they love microtransactions because obviously they're just like you know mouthpieces for the uh, industry as a whole so the esrb was created to protect the game industry from uh like congress and uh hearings and stuff like that if, if you remember your game video game history uh the esrb was created for that reason uh look up a game called night trap i think uh, and you'll find out all about the ESRB's creation. But, yeah, like, the ESRB is not going to do anything. Like, this is going to have to come... Like, the UK government recently released a statement because there was a petition uh, submitted to the US government, uh, so UK government, about uh, loot boxes and, and how they're, like, uh, gambling. And the UK government said, like, under current UK law, it's it's not gambling, but we are aware of the you know, many issues with it, like, the and we're keeping an eye on them. So, uh, I think... It's, uh, the regulation is inevitable in this space. It's just it's just a matter of time, uh, or a matter of uh, until somebody like does until a video game developer does something extremely stupid, uh, and and somebody dies or something from from this somehow, uh, it's, it's gonna get regulated. Uh, so that's that's video game microtransactions. This is it's not just microtransactions, right? This exact same strategy is what Instagram and Facebook and Twitter are using with their algorithms, right? For their for their feeds. It's the exact same idea, right? That you hook people into staying in the uh the the app, the game or whatever, 
And in Instagram or Facebook's case, they want you to look at more ads. So they they go through, they'll run it like a machine learning thing through uh, through the whole entire, through all the posts, right? That have ever been made, posts in people you follow. Plus, if you go to the Explore tabs, right, every single post on the service, and they'll rank them all for you, and they'll keep showing you ones that they predict that you're going to like based off of what you've liked, based off other key indicators, right? And the whole entire idea is just to hook you into it and to keep and to make you waste as much time as possible in there. And it's the same. Like, take that idea, apply it to games, and in games, we found out ads don't work because people uninstall the games because they get annoying. So, what you do is that you make it so that the game's so sticky and so like pervasive in your life that you just have to spend money because it makes you right. feel like, like you uh, if you think about games like Clash of Clans I think um, games like those right this is especially probably on mobile um, where it's 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 called uh, Jim Sterling calls them free to wait uh, because they're essentially designed around the concept of you paying money to actually play the game again like you have to wait and then or otherwise play pay money like that's like the they hook you into the game and then they then they're like oh yeah you if you want to play more you either gonna to have to wait a certain time or you can pay now and you can play again so it's like it's it's hooking into those you know like your brain's just like oh yeah i want to play more so i'm gonna pay uh and, and that's that's like a nasty loop to get stuck into so yeah it's exploiting all sorts of really creepy bullshit if you really think about it it's extremely creepy and uh very uh you can even call it a sort of like a weird abusive uh, relationship that some video game developers in, uh, it's, inflict. It's disrespectful, right? It is it's extreme. not respecting you and your time. No, it like is the, not. The, the biggest lie Bungie ever told us is that they want Destiny to be more respectful of your time when Taken King came out. Like, if you wanted that, why the fuck is the Eververse in the game? Yeah, yeah. Why is why is grinding for shaders a thing? Like, why do you not get enough shaders to outfit your entire character? Like that... Or why are there shaders are... Eververse exclusive? Why are there emotes that are Eververse? Why are emotes in general Eververse exclusive? Why are sparrows Eververse exclusive? Don't earning them in game is shit because the rate for getting XP is so bad. Even if you're in a clan, right? Like, be sure you'll be generous if in game drops, but you're not generous with uh, Eververse drops. Eververse probably shouldn't exist. And I think we we should probably talk about Halo Two for a minute because I I love I love to say Halo Five is. Objective statement here. Don't at me. Halo Five is the best arena shooter. I've said it many times. I'll continue to say it. Only can only be dethroned when Halo Six comes out. But they do have a microtransaction system in the game, and even Halo is generous. Like I, it's I, it's still a problem. It's still problematic because it's a microtransaction system. But I guess it's like the best version of that poison, right? Because Halo, you can earn about two or three gold packs in a day by just playing it, right? And you don't even have to win games. Like it's, they'll even give you boosts for to get more points to buy, uh, to buy these packs with with in-game currencies, right? Like they're generous, but it's still a microtransaction. It is still, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's insidious. Like the problem is that these, like these are everywhere now. Like every game has them. Like, uh, like I was playing um, this week. I was playing. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, which I'm which I'm enjoying a lot. By the way, I just started, so I can't really talk much about the game yet. Wait, is it like why? Why do single player games? Yeah, why? Why does yeah? There's like boosts. There's these like boost things you can buy. There's this special currency called like Helix or whatever. Uh, when you get boosted, your level or what? Yeah, you can you can get like in game. Okay, so you know what? You can buy these booster packs, and you can get in game currency from them. So you can like get more money in game. So you buy like more powerful weapons sooner. It's you know what these are? These are essentially cheat codes monetized. Uh, 
in a single this player is, game. Yeah. I feel like this breaks the game though, right? It, it does break the balance of the game. So if you buy these, like it will break. Like these have been around. Like, like, I Ubisoft remember has you, been doing you, like you had a post a while back, right? Like what if, what if Dark Souls had microtransactions? Uh, How would that game yeah, work? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Like I, I don't even want to imagine because, okay, that's like a Halloween spooky thing because Jesus, that's scary as hell. Because people would pay just because of how frustrating the game is. Yeah, right? like people like would. They, they, yeah. they don't even have to like add any sort of hooks. <laughs> the game's hard enough where people would be like, "Fuck it, I have the money. I'm just gonna pay for this this invincibility pack or whatever." Yeah, right? like in in like in like Assassin's Creed, uh, like Ubisoft has been doing this for like a while. Like since uh, I'm gonna say Assassin's Creed Unity had them. Uh, it's, they're gonna they've been doing this uh, thing since Assassin's Creed Unity and. Uh, yeah, it, it will break the balance of the game significantly. It will, it will like break the progression that the curve, uh, because like the game is not really designed for these microtransactions. Like these are added in probably afterwards uh, after the fact. Uh, and re- remember, there was a controversy about Deus, Deus Ex, uh, Mankind Divided, uh, and they had these like booster packs, like 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 in Assassin's Creed Origins. Like where you could get like in-game weapons and like currency and stuff, and it was it extremely broke the game. Like people found out it extremely broke the progression curve of the game because they were added on later after after the fact, and were not balanced for for the game at all. So it was just really really uh, awkward. So yeah, like even in single player games are not immune though. There's like Shadow of War uh, has it. Uh, like all these like even single player games are definitely not immune. Uh, like I, I hope Wolfenstein, the new Wolfenstein, doesn't have it. I, I think I don't. I haven't heard anything about microtransactions. No, it doesn't have it. It doesn't have it. Yet. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you don't have to pay to kill Nazis. Oh Jesus you, Christ! You, you, could, you could just kill them. You could just kill. Imagine them. if they did that though. Like for real. Like that would be ridiculous. I would. We'd never hear the end of it. But I mean, knowing how trolly they were, what if they added like a microtransaction that give you like a, a deferred action plan? <laughs> Oh god! Oh. Like a neutral debate platform, oh pay ten dollars to get that as, oh as a weapon in game. That Bethesda, oh lord, that'd be a good troll. That's that's a microtransaction I support. <laughs> god, but yeah, microtransactions are like they're they're insidious. They they invade even single player games uh, to a disturbing amount. Uh, like yeah, but like yeah, people say you don't have to buy them, but. Like, I guess at this point, people are saying don't buy the microtransactions, but I guess at this point, should it be just don't buy the games that have them? Yes. Um, so, uh, like, the thing is, like, the most egregious companies, like, you, you, can, you, can't, you can't stop supporting. Like, you don't have to play these. Like, but the thing is, like, uh, th- I don't know if there's going to be enough of a difference. Uh, not yet, anyway. You're going to see the difference in probably, like, 10 to 20 years. But, uh, like, but you can stop buying... You don't have to buy Shadow of War. There's plenty of good games. You can buy a different game that has less much transfer. Or buy an indie game. Support some indie. I mean, I guess I guess that works. That works on console and PC, right? Yeah. Let's be honest here. Mobile's mobile's most of the money's coming in right now. Sorry to say, mobile like what you you don't play any games on your phone, right? Like that's yeah. At that mobile, you mobile is a bigger problem here because you can. I more money is being made on like probably like a mobile, right? Yeah. I don't I don't think that the majority of microtransaction revenue is coming from console and PC games at this probably point. Probably not, but not yet anyway. Yeah, uh, I would imagine a majority of these uh, in-app purchases and well, well, microtransactions are coming from mobile, mobile various mobile games like Clash of Clans and stuff like that. But 
yeah, like mobile gaming at this point is unfortunately most of the most, there are a few gems. There's games like um, Monument Valley and Monument Valley 2. Uh, I recommend them. It's a good game. Uh, no microtransactions, just expansion packs you can buy to get more content. Um, there's also uh, another game called uh, Threes. Threes is really good. It's on iOS. Uh, it might be on Android. I don't know. But like support, like if you find a good mobile game that does not have uh, microtransactions, buy that shit because that shit is yeah. rare. Because like Reigns, uh, Transistor, uh, Oxenfree, The Witness, those are all on mobile and don't have microtransactions. Alto's Adventure, um, Super Mario Run, as we said before. Like I mean, they're they're they are there if you look for it in the App Store now. Um, Google Play and the App Store will tell you if there's microtransactions in yeah, the game. Yeah, but there's so much uh, crap, right? It's hard to find these gems in between, like all this. There is like so many mobile games that are just like trying to exploit whatever money they can from. You know, you know, you know, genre I fucking hate the ones that are like MMOs with microtransactions to make things go faster, but they're not really like MMOs. And, like, their screenshots are all just, like, artwork and not actual screenshots of the in-game UI. And I download it, and I'm like, what the fuck am I playing? I don't know until you, like, open it. And afterwards, like, you start playing it, and then they'll tell you that, oh, you can buy, you can buy this boost to speed it up. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's mobile. Mobile has been, has been in this state for a while. It's kind of sad, really. Um, because I would love if mobile was a better platform, like, a better sort of, like, like mobile has a lot of, potential for video games obviously as we've seen with the nintendo switch there is a demand for uh more mobile game right right aar games like uh pokemon go still have a like those are great those something you can only do on mobile but then it's like oh it's filtered microtransactions yeah it's uh i mean yeah like to be fair to to pokemon go it is a free-to-play game um and like the transactions are more acceptable in those because uh, Niantic is gonna make money to keep those servers. But up. can't can't they just like is it is a solution like no more free to play games? No, I think free to play games have a. Uh, but but free to play games, I guess, are are me and AJ. We're talking about it on Transposable earlier in the week, right? Where it's like, uh, they were talking about Warframe, and and Warframe is just like hot trash with microtransactions, right? Cuz it's all pay to win. Like even if it's free to play, like does that make like grimy microtransactions that are Actually, if you mentioned Warframe though, but Warframe has been considered a good example of a free to play game that has a good monetization model. Really? Uh, yeah, that's that's what I heard from the Inquisition last uh, this week, rather last week. Um, maybe it's all cosmetics. Maybe I don't know what I'm it's, talking it's, about. I think it is. I don't. I actually have never played Warframe, so I can't really tell you. Uh, Hello, I'm, Shades of Brown, where we don't know what we're talking about. Well, no, <laughs> but I've heard from reputable people that uh, Warframe's business model uh, is, is considered a good one. Like, uh, let me talk about a free to play game that I have played. Uh, I, I I've been a long time player of uh, Plant Side Two, and Plant Side Two is a free to play game. Which which has which has uh which has like uh you can buy like this currency, but the good thing about this there's not really a loot there is a loot box system, but it's not really relevant most of the time. But if you want cosmetics, you can just buy the cosmetic. Like you can buy you buy the in-game currency and you buy the cosmetic directly. You don't have to get them out of loot boxes. If you buy you want to buy a gun, uh, you just buy the gun outright with the in-game currency. You don't have to uh you don't have to like get get lucky with the loot box, right? Um. I think that's that's a fair model to have. Like, 
like and in, in in Plaza too, like those weapons are not really uh, pay to win because they're not upgrades. They're more like like they do different things. They're more like side grades. Uh, so that's that's like a valid uh, business model, I think. Uh, the free to play games have a place in this world. A lot a lot of free games are usually popular, like uh, League of Legends. You know, like I, I've never I've always heard good things about League of Legends' business model. Uh, like Riot has a good thing going for them, obviously. Uh, you know, like it's it's like Dota two, you know, Team Fortress two, uh, with their hats. Like I don't know, like free to play games are are valid. Like not everybody has the bu- budget to buy games all the time, and some of these free to play games are honestly really good. So like it's it's a fair like a trade off, really. But, but when you buy the game, right? Yeah. It's just like why? Yeah. Why? Why is it even? Yeah. It's like if 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 Overwatch, like if like okay, it's like if, even if Overwatch, right? Like I would even mind the game having microtransactions for cosmetics if I could buy the cosmetics outright. Like if I could pay, like say five dollars and get these skins, right? Like I if I if I could do that, if I want that Mercy skin and pay five dollars so I can get that Mercy skin, I would love. I would have. I really have no problem with it, like, but they want you. They want you to keep buying loot boxes and keep you in that uh, in that loop, right? In that addictive loop to keep buying loot boxes too, because you want like it's that gambler's policy, right? Like the next one's gonna happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's just not good. Like it's ah, it's just it's just a sad sort of. Uh, there was a Jim Sterling also did another video about Dead Space Three, uh, the, the death of Dead Space, uh, and how Dead Space Three. Uh, economy was designed around its microtransaction system, and that was like a like sort of like a thing that was predicting the future about how uh, even single player games are going to have these egregious uh, microtransaction systems uh, built into them, and it's just not good. It's just the thing about Jim Sterling videos that he says that. He thinks that this is going to be a bubble that's going to keep going for a while longer and then eventually it'll pop just like how rhythm games were. But is it? Because if we go, if I circle back to the previous example of Facebook and Instagram, right? Like, do you really think that that whole entire, that the process of having a business that's ad funded with an algorithm that surfaces content, but makes you want to stay within the app, right? Yeah. Like, I think the, is, is Michael the point, is just too entrenched in this industry to I, go away anytime maybe, soon. Maybe, but I think the point just something I was trying to make is that the business model of microtransactions is based on 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 the concept of whales. If you know what whales are, uh, in 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 the in the video game industry, whales are people who buy extremely large amounts of uh, microtransactions, right? Like upwards of like uh, ten grand plus of microtransactions uh, from a single person. Uh, that's that's the whale, and the whales are like most people actually do not buy microtransactions. The these these things are optimized for those people who have plenty of disposable income and are willing to spend that a lot of money on these games. Uh, and this is that is a shaky business model to have. That's that's a saturated. You can't really like be re- rely upon those people to like continuously give you money, right? So yeah. like it's just the the point Jim Sterling was making that this is built on sand. Like this, this whole thing, this whole uh, business model, like the whole microtransaction thing, is built on these whales. Uh, concept and that is a shaky concept to build a business model on because it's not certain the future is not certain on those and the market may reach it's probably already reaching saturation at this point uh with every game having these things right so people can only like the market will only bear so much i think that's that's the point he was trying to make 
and people will eventually get tired of them like they got tired of uh, Guitar Hero and like billion iterations of them. So, like, yeah, that's the point he was making. I think maybe it's true. Like, I'm optimistic that like it will burst, like the bubble will burst, but uh, who knows? It's because games are a service now. Everything's the services on top of services. Pay for Xbox Live, pay for uh, what's it called? Uh, Destiny microtransactions, pay for a World of Warcraft subscription, right? Like, at the end, it's this burnout's gonna hit hard, and um. I don't know, maybe, I think you also had another post on Mastodon about it, where, like, maybe it might be best for the games industry to have just, like, another crash and just kind of have to do a bit of a reset and how things work. Maybe, but I don't know how that would look. Like, how the how would that look for the best games industry? Like, would that be, like, the big publishers, like, splitting up, like, to, or, like, closing down some of their uh, properties? Well, it'd, be, and... it'd be, like, massive layoffs, right? And yeah. All that, right? And yeah. Like, which is, let's say, massive layoffs are always terrible for uh, people who work at these companies, but also, too, right, like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to work at a game company right now. You know all these bad stories about crunch, right? Like, ugh. Making video games isn't a good business to get into regardless. Yeah, that's that's an entire topic by itself. The topic of uh, video game, uh, people who work in video games and what their what their workplaces are like. and uh, The concept of crunched, crunch and stuff like that. That's, that's an entire topic by itself and it has a lot of discussion to be had, definitely. But today, I think, we're gonna have to wrap up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> delaying the wrap up by twenty minutes. Yeah, we we like we had more to say than we thought we did, but it's, it, it was a good discussion, I think. And I think on this topic, uh, you can find us uh, on social networks. You can find me on Mastodon at Saturday and Mastodon.zomocloud.com. Uh, and Christian, I think you can on Twitter, right? You can find yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh don't at me. Uh <laughs> I'm twitter.com slash Josephine. You can also email us uh contact at two chains of brand dot com. Uh subscribe to us. Uh I don't know if people leave reviews on iTunes, but if you want to do that, you can do that. Uh, give give us the gold star in uh overcast if you use that app. Oh, what does Pocket Cast have? Uh, does Pocket Cast have a recommend button? But I don't I don't it doesn't have a recommend button. I don't think it does that sort of uh thing. But like if, if if you like our podcast, send us an email. You know that'd be cool. Uh, or add me on Mastodon, or or you can add Christian on on Twitter. Uh, and with that, uh, goodbye. Goodbye.